0: to the latest nickel city soundtrack podcast in this episode this episode is a re-airing i guess of an interview that i did with doug white on the hmni fanzine podcast which is the podcast i had before um nickel city soundtrack um it's coming back soon hopefully but that's besides the point um, we interviewed doug or i interviewed doug along with eric Elman at watchman studios a couple of years ago and we talked to doug about like recording his career and we we talked about uh, some of his cool hobbies that he has as well including cabio living uh check that out listen to the end it's a good time thanks to eric for helping me out with this way back when and we will see you on the next one I'm interviewing, um, Doug White, owner of Watchmen Studios. Say hi, Doug. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So I got some, uh, I got some help too. I have one Eric Elman, veteran of the podcast. How do you do? <laughs> and I have Gus, of course, hanging out, doing the pod, for the podcast. Um, I guess we'll get started because we've been here for a while talking about, uh, food. You guys talking about food podcasts? Beans and, Uh,
1: beans and cats. Beans and cats,
0: (laughs) in that order. (laughs) So anyway, um, Doug, when did you, uh, really get, when did you discover this love of music and recording? Tell Let's us a see. little about your history and stuff.
1: So the history of the studio. 1989, I got done with College Art Institute of Atlanta. Came home, didn't really, wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but had a little bit of recording equipment, had my little associates in recording audio engineering from Atlanta. Got a job at Record Theater. Uh, and then soon afterwards, a friend of mine called and said, hey, there's these kids that want to do a recording and I know you went to school for it and have a 4-track, would you want to record them? And I said, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. And I went over to their house and it was a band called The Watchmen. And so I did this little demo on my 4-track for them and uh, um, like a week later I got a phone call and they said, uh, hey, we saw you could play guitar really good and our guitar player quit and could you fill in for a show for us uh, since you already kind of know the tunes and you recorded us. So I was like, yeah, it might be fun. I don't have anything else going on. I'm back from college uh, and just working at record theater. didn't have a band or anything. So I thought, all right, that's cool. So me and my long hair uh, went ahead and practiced once or twice with them, and on a Friday night we got in a van. I don't really know where I'm going, and we drove up to the River Rock Cafe, and there's a line out the door down the block to, we're opening for Slapshot. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is where we're playing? Like, all these people? And they're like, yeah, yeah, there's no problem We doing it all the time. And I'm like, oh my god, you gotta be <laughs> kidding me. So we went in on stage and played our tunes, and there was bodies flying from one end to the other, and everyone's looking at who the weird new guy is, and, and uh, it was a good show, I guess, and Afterwards, they were like, oh, hey, uh, you just want to be in the band? And I'm like, do I? Yeah, I'll be in this band. I thought we were going to go play in front of nobody. Yeah. And um, so then, uh, maybe a month or two later, uh, we cle- I cleared out a little part of my parents' basement. And we set up my little four track and, and started to do some more demoing. And it, it soon started to be referred to as Watchmen's Studio. Like, as in the band's studio, because we were the only ones that recorded there. So <laughs> so we called it Watchmen Studios because it was the, the band's studio. Uh, then it didn't take long before um, a couple other bands in the scene were like, Hey, uh, could you do a demo for us? And I was like, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, sure. I asked my parents, Hey, can I have some guys over and do some recording? And sure. And then that just snowballed and snowballed for a couple of years, um then eventually long after the band had broken up the the name stuck so we just carried on with the name so people asked me like oh were you really into the comic book and stuff and i was like no i didn't really know anything about it i somebody else named the band for me so
0: um yeah it wasn't really uh uh wasn't really my thing the band was named after the watchman yeah dynamic? yeah okay um what kind of band was the watchman I
1: would, well, we were in the hardcore scene, that's yeah. for sure. I mean, back then it was not quite as defined uh, with the music you were playing. But, yeah. yeah, we liked to think we were a hardcore band, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, how long was that band together?
1: 80, well, 89 through, I think it finally went physically on nine in
0: 93. Okay. hmm So you were recording in your parents' basement. How long was that going on?
1: Parents' basement was probably 89 through
0: 94. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Late, late 94. So, what made you decide to get. Did you move into this space or was it somewhere yeah, else? Yes. Yeah. So, I had saved up some money. I'm.
1: Probably by, like, 93, I thought, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do, you know, because at first it was a hobby, and then it was like, oh, this is, you know, getting busier, and wow, make a couple dollars at it, and by 93, 94, it was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do, and I had saved up some money, and um, I was going to get a place of my own, or buy something, or rent something, and then I ran into the music store owner, uh, Ralph Fava from Lockport Music Center, Mm -hmm. and he had a little place in uh, on Main Street in Lockport, and then I um, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna build a studio somewhere." And he's like, "Oh, we're building a new music store," and um, so he he's the one who approached me and said, "Maybe we could put the two together." And I was at first I was like, yeah, maybe," you know. And then he sort of just sold me on the idea. So mm-hmm. so we moved in here December '95 officially. So do you uh,
0: remember who the first band we recorded here was? Envy. At-
2: and oh, really, seven inch? Yeah. Yeah. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: I have the dollar on the wall still uh, in my s- office.
0: I saw that. Like, I I hadn't been here. I came here with Hold Out a few weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I uh, I hadn't been here since No Reason Recorder, and that was like 1997. Was it okay. 97. Or 97. Right? Yeah, I came here. That was so it was like 22 years between visits to Watchmen. I wow. Guess. Holy cow. <laughs> well, I don't you know I don't really do bands, so it's I, it's a different thing for me.
3: It yeah. was
2: it was the big news around town when watchman got a space Mm -hmm. i remember like everyone was talking about it like like did you hear doug's not going to be in his parents basement anymore he's got like the real deal (laughs) like he's got the real we're picturing like where the
1: eagles record he's got the
2: real
3: deal yeah yeah
1: yeah it certainly started out in the early days as all hardcore bands yeah Mm -hmm. i mean Mm-hmm. With a couple of grind cores thrown
0: mm-hmm. in. <laughs> so, did you ever record in the basement?
2: Oh yes, I, I recorded in uh, Doug's parents' basement. The the uh, Nevermore demo in
1: late '94,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: uh, was recorded there. You know, I can at this point now I can count on one hand almost to the people left that were in the parents' basement. Yeah, yeah. there's not many. There's not many. I can only think of, like, five or six active, still active people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're one of them, right? I know, yeah. I guess so. Is <laughs> so. there any special
2: list. special attributes of that basement that you've missed that you've never been able to capture in, in the new space? Like, is there, like, a, a concrete wall they had that was <laughs> Well, gonna,
1: if you remember, when you walked into the control room, there was a hump. Yes. In the floor, yeah. and everyone used to trip and yeah. fall, like walking into it, because because the, the carpet just slowly rose up the hump, and you didn't know it. Oh yeah, and yeah, it was always fun to see people yeah, trip on that. But no, sound wise, the the old the old paneling, the old paneling in my pretend wall that I built with two by twos, and yeah. and didn't really wasn't
0: that soundproofy <laughs> that much. Do you have a particular <laughs> recording from there that? really stood out to you i guess
1: yeah certainly the lethargy Mm
0: -hmm. i mean
1: if it wasn't for lethargy i might not even have a commercial studio
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because so um my bass player joe valella got to be friends with a band called moment of truth in rochester then they came and recorded with me through joe and then Along with them, they brought a friend named Adam who was in a band called Lethargy. And then that was the start of the Rochester business. Mm-hmm. And once Lethargy recorded with me, which now is Mastodon, basically, from two or three of the members, once they recorded with me, um, the floodgates of Rochester bands opened up. And me being in Lockport, kind in between a little bit, Rochester mm-hmm. and Buffalo, you know... I don't know if I would have been able to sustain myself commercially if it was just like some of the Buffalo bands. I don't know if it would be enough. So it certainly has been 35 to 40% Rochester bands through here over the years, about 35% and I think that's what has been enabled us to keep going, you know. There's there's three types of studios, you know, now left. Uh, there's the big giant studios, but they're struggling because um, all of the huge artists, frankly just have their own studio. Mm-hmm. Then you have a lot of guys in the basement fighting it out for scraps. but there's there's midline guys like me that catch people on the way up and some on the way down <laughs> 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 that catch them on the way up and down and and try and stay busy. So yeah, but Rochester certainly was what put me over the top to be able to sustain.
0: A commercial business yeah so you're still getting a lot of Rochester business yeah still still rolls in okay so how what's I guess what's the farthest the band has come Arizona uh,
1: yeah Phoenix Mm -hmm. there was this one band that um, I'm trying to think of the name it was about four or five years ago there was this one band that two of the people in it were massive gym class heroes fans And the drummer in this band was a real estate agent who had tons of money. Young guys, too. And they convinced him that they needed to go to the place. Yeah. (laughs) Jim Class Hero. And they all got on a plane. And and they flew to Buffalo. Now, the funny thing about that that I remember is um, they were arriving the evening that my band Circus Grenade was doing a show. So I said to them, like, "Oh, you should come to the show," and they did. So their very first meeting of me was me on stage, like with Circus Grenade. So I, they must have thought, like, "What the heck and we got <laughs> ourselves into?" So, but they were nice. I, I can't think of the name, but yeah, they sounded a lot like, you know, they tried to sound a lot like Gym Class Heroes, and we tried to we tried to duplicate, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> what we what we did. So.
0: so, how did those guys end up here, Gym Class Heroes?
1: Well, in a sense, it's almost like a Rochester band because. Um, they're Canandaigua, mm-hmm. and they certainly played in Rochester all the time. Yeah. So they probably heard about this place. So
0: yeah, yeah. So you re- how like you know you normally record like heavier like you know hardcore you know punk it, metal. bands? It used to be that way, but now it's it's funny.
1: Like this studio certainly always was known for metal, metal hardcore and punk. But I gotta say these days that's probably that's probably like thirty or forty percent. That's yeah. about it. I mean. Now it's tons of solo artists, a lot of acoustic, a lot of indie. Um, so even some EDM and, and different dance stuff. And the metal
0: and hardcore is probably like 30 or 40%. Mm-hmm. So um, how how do is it word of mouth that the way bands and artists hear about you or is it like you no know? more advertising for me since the
1: mid 90s i mean oh really no actual advertising so yeah just just word of mouth yeah and i, I in the early in the early night in the 90s i would take out an, a little ad and art voice or yeah. some sort of magazine and um make some flyers and put them at music stores and stuff but I don't think there's been any advertising from me, like, officially, maybe since 98 or 9. Yeah. And you're
0: really busy, I hear.
1: Calendar's full. (laughs) It's been full for many years. Yeah. Um, You know, at different times of the year, it can get ridiculously far ahead to the point where I'm afraid that the bands won't still be a band (laughs) when when we get to their dates, you know? Yeah. Like, in in the springtime... March and April is when yeah. everyone panics for summer demos yeah so all of a sudden the, the phone calls just flood in mm-hmm. and it can it can easily be like I can't I don't have a date until August or September wow. when it's April yeah. um, and then and then in the and then in the winter or when it's back to school season people mm-hmm. don't know their schedules um, that can sometimes be, Eh, like six weeks, six, seven weeks in advance, not too bad, you know, just mm-hmm. a month or so. You and, know. and you, like, stick to your hours and make sure that you
2: I have time for
1: yourself. And I do. In the early days when the calendar was not so busy, yeah, certainly, you know, evening sessions or whenever a man can get here, we'll take it. And when the calendar got full enough, uh, I found myself, like, any evening sessions that I would do, I was spent for the band the next day. My yeah. ears were done and I started to really burn out. And it kind of came down to like, uh, if I'm going to record six days a week, which I have for 24 years now, six days a week, there's been, I added it up on the calendar, there's been 4,300 bands through here since 1995. So, wow. yeah, 4,300 is my best estimate on the calendar. Um, but anyways, I just decided no more evening sessions. We run ten to six, and it it weeded out a lot of the party, yeah. in the bands. You know, like when it was a seven o'clock session, the the girlfriends and the case of beer and a couple of friends are all heading to the studio for a good time that night. And I felt a bit like an entertainer here, you know, rather yeah. than doing good work. Um, yeah. And when it was ten to six it it sort of it provided for a more serious client that that would plan to take a day off work or possibly make the exception to come in for a full day and it it brought in maybe a little more serious of a client to a point so mm-hmm. and and also it regimented my sleep better oh yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> do you live near here yeah
1: i'm about i'm in gasport about mm-hmm. uh well 12, 12 13 minutes yeah okay
0: you know? um did you ever, when you were going to start the studio, did you want to have it in Lockport or were you maybe thinking Buffalo was a better place for it? I was I was up for Lockport I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think I
1: was ruling out some of the surrounding areas but I, I just kept thinking um, there are some days when um, a band needs to finish up one simple vocal. That's mm-hmm. it. And I don't actually book anything like a double because you, you can't tell when someone's going to finish. But mm-hmm. I thought to myself, well, if I have to drive to like Tonawanda to do a one-hour vocal session, you know, it might yeah. it might not be worth it. So if we could keep it in Lockport or at least close to where I live, it would probably be more beneficial for the days that aren't big nine-hour, you know, yeah. tracking days. So
2: I think everyone should take a drive to Tonawanda every now and again. Though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just you know, what's in Tonawanda? <laughs> what Nothing. Isn't? What isn't?
0: <laughs> um. I don't know. What isn't in Tonalanda? So, okay, so you said those Lethargy guys, you know, they became Mastodon. Have they ever come back as Mastodon? No. um, No. uh,
1: They've, you know, there's Sulaco, which is the other half, Mm -hmm. uh, Eric Burke and and those guys. And then uh, Mastodon lives in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, All of you know, I've I've hung out with them, but certainly no, they haven't been back as that band. Way out of my pay scale.
0: Yeah, <laughs> way, way out of my pay scale. Is that gym class heroes the most successful thing you've you've recorded? I'd say so. Yes, and they do come back. Yeah,
1: they're back here all the time. Um, they come here at this point and do all their pre production and their writing here, which is mm-hmm. really cool. And low pressure for me because I'm, you know, I'm not actually producing something for Atlantic Records uh, yeah. <laughs> for the suits and ties to tear apart, yeah. which is usually what happens in the major label world, which I can't, I just can't deal with it, mm-hmm. and never wanted to go that route. Uh, but it's really cool. They they always like to come back here, mm-hmm. to the place where it all started for them, and do their writing here. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's yeah. cool that you're able to do so much,
2: so much stuff. In, in other realms of music and even like you were saying now a large percentage a larger percentage of your music is of your clientele is is not punk hardcore metal related when like the studio in itself I've always viewed as you can do anything here but it but if you're a punk hardcore metal band, you have a specialized place yeah that you can go which is an absolute gift to for a city to have. Yeah. Um, to, to have somebody who's, cause I, I, you know, you hear about other towns and, and, and their punk and hardcore and metal history and there's bands, there's stories like we went into a studio where they do sh- commercial jingles because that was the only studio in town. And the guy, all he could do was tell us to turn down and try and put reverb all over everything or this and that. But we kind of were super fortunate that, that, that you, uh, decided to do this kind of thing because it really does give us a specialized place that is not, that is going to know all the shorthand Mm -hmm. and know every, you know, know what you're talking about when you're talking about pick slides Mm -hmm. and gang vocals and, and, you know, these
1: these days, the gear is all the same everywhere. We're in the old, old days. And I mean, old, you know, or late eighties, early nineties, you might pick a studio for what gear they had. Yeah. Oh, they have this board and oh they got those mics and that's great. But these days the gear makes no difference really anywhere but um who you're working with, you know, and if you come from a background of the music you're doing, that's great. I mean, I get some crazy calls sometimes where somebody will be like, you know, we're a, a six piece Latin horn band. Would you like to record us? And I'm I'm like well, I can, but I gotta tell you, I don't know anything about Latin horn <laughs> recording. I mean, I don't know anything about it, so I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. I might not be your guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then they appreciate. Oh, good. You know. You know. <laughs> so, so I, I doing the genres you know best is where you're gonna like you know shine. Yeah. And um, but the the variety around here um, is is really nice these days. I'm enjoying it a lot because every day is really new. I go from a from acoustic guitars to to double bass grind, all in twenty four hours. A lot of times, so it's <laughs> it keeps every day interesting.
0: So you've, I mean, you record you know a lot of different bands and types of bands. Has like since you started, has there been anything that you've like something that you didn't think you would be recording that you've not maybe mastered, but you've gotten a good handle on recording?
1: Yeah, probably um, building songs for solo for a solo artist. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a, a a new specialty maybe in the last few years where I have a lot of singer-songwriters that play a little bit of piano or a little bit of guitar Mm -hmm. but they have a song. They would like to have a whole band Yeah, you know, on their recording and they come here and I have libraries full of beats and drums and all the instruments they need and anything that they need me to play, I'll just do it for them or they can play or we both play and building I I suppose you could call it producing yeah, but um, for the most part, I don't see much of a difference between producing and engineering. I help out as much as the band needs me to, mm-hmm. but with a solo artist like that, they need all of
2: it. So. That's that's a big difference with you and a lot of other studios. I know, I think the term that I might have heard you say once is you, you just get paid like a plumber. Yeah. You know, like, it's <laughs> like, I don't need to be on your record points system. No. I don't need to
1: get production credit. You know, I'm, you know... It's an hourly fee. Yeah, And whether I... Tracked all the solos for the band, yeah. or whether I just hit record and they just played—it's all the same to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what do you do? You play everything like guitar, bass. Yeah, guitar, piano, bass, drums.
1: I mean, I'm, my drum skills are are, are nothing uh, that exciting, but I, <laughs> I can play a little bit. I yeah. play the I play the drums with the mouse, much better than with my oh, hands. Really? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Yeah. I can build I can build a drum track on the software. Yeah. Uh,
0: is that a... What do people think of that? Building drums on software rather than playing...
1: Oh, in 2020, who cares?
0: Well, Everyone yeah. does it. I mean, if it's, a, <laughs> if it's
1: a solo artist, it's just coming down to like him yeah. saving money. Uh, yeah. Uh, him or her coming in here and not needing a drummer to learn the track, play the track, you know. The
2: idea that something you're hearing on the radio these days isn't like a profound magic trick is like absurd. Like, every, nothing is real. I mean, every, you know, mm-hmm. it's like sure, you want to sit there and spend all the time and roll in a grand piano and this and that, <laughs> or, like, for one one-hundredth of the money, do you want to just use this MIDI patch I have and, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. bang it out? Like I think
1: I think it comes down to band versus solo artists, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when it's a band, it means something to them to have their drummer on it, even though possibly we could grab drums from somewhere else and they yeah. probably might be better, but that's not the point. Yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, like, a solo artist will come in. What are they coming in with when you're building a song for them? Like, what are they kind of well, showing up uh, with? Well, a
1: rough outline can mm-hmm. be the minimal. Like, I have three chords that are a cool melody for a chorus. What do you think else we should put in? So, so we, we kind of write and produce it together all the way to a completely finished track, and they know exactly the tempo they're looking for. So
0: that sounds crazy to me. I don't know nothing about recording, but that sounds crazy to me that you wouldn't have like everything kind of prepared well, before you show up in the studio. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you know, though some of the songs that we've done with people just on the fly, uh, winging it together, man, th- those have come out the best. Some of my favorite things we just invented that day. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like when something is for solo artists when something is ultra planned out. But he but they haven't heard it with a band because they don't have a band mm-hmm. when it's very very planned out sometimes it doesn't come out the way they thought yeah where when nothing's planned out it's always a surprise yeah yeah
0: that makes sense yeah because I, I was writing I was telling him I was writing songs for my band and like I i you know I we played the we recording and in my head I was singing it when I came to practice to sing it it just it was not what I what I was singing in my head, so it, right. was, it was just like something completely different. <laughs> so, but we're working it out, so that's that's cool. So, let's get some Doug's
2: favorite all-time hardcore bands, okay? And, and why? And what what
1: does Doug look for in a in a my favorite hardcore band of all times? That's an easy one. That's Killing Time. Oh yeah, that's an easy one. Mm-hmm. They, I, there's a sticker on the wall up there that they gave me personally, and I saved it. Yeah. You know, we played with them at the River Rock, and they were always my favorite band, and they were super, super nice to us too. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, oh, it's, for me, it's a close, it's a close call between Integrity and Judge. I would say for, yeah, Integrity. Those of Fear Tomorrow like changed us all, you know, yeah. and that was that was the beginning of it. But, but then Judge came out with such a well-rounded sound, uh, production-wise, yeah. that Integrity didn't have in those days. Um, and then I'd then I'd have to uh, I'd probably have to move over to Agnostic Front then, and mm-hmm. from there on, uh, not the earliest of stuff. I I wasn't. I was more into metal in the earliest of Agnostic Front days, but then uh, mid-90s I was all in. And, and Sick of It All, too, of course. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably my, my top five yeah. or six there. Killing Time, Killing Time Integrity Judge, uh, and um, Agnostic Front. I think, I think that's, that's my top. That's the that's the the serious powerful. Yeah, and not <laughs> not the playful. No, punk-y. and I came out of a. I mean, in college, I was I'm I'm just a, a metal thrash head, yeah. straight up. You know, I mean, for me, if you looked at my wall of tapes, it was just thrash thrash thrash. Yeah. You know, you know. Um, so when I moved over to hardcore metal as a as a 19 year old, yeah, um, I certainly gravitated towards. What's heavier? <laughs> yeah. Well that, that that
2: judge thing is the perfect example of that. Like when, when you started realizing bands were getting real serious was when you heard stuff like this band recorded in a whole LP and at the last minute they scrapped it because yeah. the recording wasn't good enough. Yeah. They're like, Look, we're we're a serious band. We need a serious recording. Yeah. They like it was you know, they pressed. They recorded at yeah. Chun King and then they mm-hmm. and then they freaking records were getting pressed and they're like, you know what? I know it's a little almost too late, but I'm not happy with this, man. We gotta, yeah, it's yeah. not powerful enough or whatever. So, the,
1: the, the, my band members in the Watchmen were certainly introduced, trying to introduce me in those early days to as much as they could. And, you know, they would play like Gorilla Biscuits, you gotta check this out. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, uh, I don't hear no double bass. <laughs> so, I'm like, no,
3: yeah.
1: you know, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. You know? Yeah. Later, I came to appreciate those, all those, um, um, more finger pointing sure. uh, genres, you yeah. know. But uh, uh, it was all heavy for me. Yeah. Also, I know like
2: you're a very technical progressive type. Uh, like as a player, you're you are always technical, tight kind kind of player. Mm-hmm. And 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 I know you're into the prog thing and the tech thing very much. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that that the way that you play technical? music like up also applies to to hardcore or do you think there's something different about hardcore punk there's a different way to be tight or a different way to be technical like yeah. like well
1: as you get more mature in your in your older age you you realize like the the technical side of it almost means nothing <laughs> you know to the expression in the art but in the early days of me it's like you know I don't think that guy can sweep Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really, I'm not really into them, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but you know, later on, you realize um, they might only be playing ba- bar chords, but Bad Religion are killer guitar players, right. really, really good players. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, no, they are not grinding away on on the Prague. You yeah. Know? So,
0: <laughs> so what's like your preferred genre of music? Like, what do you go home and listen to? You know, I I, I default to. <laughs> My, for personal
1: listening, yeah. boy, this will, you know, The Smiths, The Cure, Tears for Fears. Oh, yeah. uh, I really gravitate just towards a lot of the early 90s and late 80s indie rock. You know, The Cure, The Smiths, um, uh, everything from Morrissey to all of The Shoegaze, of course, I'm mm-hmm. into with Slow Dive, Cocteau Twins. Uh, lush for sure. So that's my, my pleasure listening. And maybe maybe these days also just going back to some classic rock, uh, Boston, Supertramp. Um, I've been for the last few years like really going deep and, and re listening to all of the Pink Floyd albums, you know, and rediscovering those, listening in a new way at, at my old age, you know. So classic rock, late late '80s, um, and indie rock.
0: Okay. It's
1: like a cleanse, cleanse <laughs> too
2: after recording all kinds of wacky stuff all day. Like to just yeah. go home and hear just that AC/DC drum yes, beat Yes, I need whatever. I need to
1: listen to something like I don't need to think about. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I've heard The Cure Disintegration a million times, and when I listen to it, I'm not thinking about. Man, that kick drum sound could be better. You know? yeah, 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 you know. Where if I'm listening to something new, that's exactly what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, the production, the yeah, production of it. Yeah. You
0: know? So I mean, as a recorder, like, I mean, obviously you, you hear stuff differently now than when you did before you recorded stuff. Um, um, where was I going with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean
1: judging, judging something on its production value, whether you like it or not? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think I'm past that. Yeah. Like, I, I think I'm past that. I think in my 20s, it was very hard to listen to anything and not say, oh, man, you know, I don't know about that snare drum, or, oh, wow, I really like that kick drum. That's great. And and I wasn't listening to the music or the, yeah. the song. I think now, you know, later in life, it's like, oh, I just don't care what they did yeah. recording-wise. <sighs> I don't even care anymore. I mean, is it a good song, and am I relating to it, and has it got the mood I'm into? Yeah. So, so I think I'm past that, but I can see where anyone starting out and doing their own recordings certainly is like all of a sudden, um, jaded by deciding on production values on everything they listen to. I think you'll grow out of that though. Yeah.
2: A lot of things in life are like that too, where you, you can really easily ruin something for yourself if you, if you try to like look at the individual pieces of it, like if you can't just stand back and appreciate the whole, Yeah. yeah, yeah
0: we we'll definitely agree with that. Here's a question about, um. so you record here. Have you ever recorded at a different studio? Um, but
1: record, uh, not as an engineer. Mm-hmm. I've recorded as a player in, okay. in other studios and done guest spots and played guitar okay. on things that people wanted me to. As an engineer, engineering, nope, not since college. No, just always just my own stuff.
0: Yeah. you ever take stuff on the road to record? No, nothing mobile. Okay. Yeah. So just record here. Okay, it's cool. So um, let's see where we going next. Look at my list of questions here. I I got another (laughs) one. Give it to me. (laughs) What is the
2: what is the oldest loaf of bread that you have ever tried
1: to (laughs) replicate? The exact bake of oh, I've done I've done Roman breads. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I found a in an antique store. I found um, this little pamphlet. They had this angry looking lady on it from the 1950s, uh, written in the 50s. That was um, ancient breads, and how how much quality can you get out of flour, water, and salt only? Yeah. And, and, and then just using different oils in a pan, they're flatbreads for sure. But um, uh, it's amazing to think, and I wonder how many people know how to do this. A handful of flour and a cup of water and a pinch of salt will feed you. Yeah, you know yeah. And I don't think people realize like it's that simple, but you know, I mean, those people building the pyramids, they were fed just breads, you know yeah. uh, or building the Parthenon just breads. Yeah. flatbreads as fast as they can make them. It's a fascinating, ancient bread making is fascinating. It's, it's <clears throat> a little, it's wild. <laughs> a little hobby of mine. Yeah. Uh
0: huh. How do you pick up a hobby like that?
1: Well, um, it, it all starts with like um, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like basically. Yeah. 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 Like just, you know, you stumble upon a YouTube video of somebody like making bread
0: with, and then you're like, oh, I never did that before you know? yeah. Oh, yeah i like to try new things i made my first cake this weekend i never made a cake before oh, congratulations, congratulations. Oh, nice. I'm 46 yeah. years old and never made a cake yeah and i did it with my kids yeah. so that's, that's cool. nice <laughs> i've got some
2: uh some 150 year old san francisco gold rush sourdough starter at home that i'm very excited oh, to start going okay the yeast yep I'm, yeah. start, I'm i'm doing i'm gonna do some sourdough some uh yep. keep the 150 year old culture
1: alive. It's a, it, I a. will tell you this, bread making is a thousand times more complicated than every button you see in this studio. And yet it's flour, water, salt, yeah. salt. it's yeah. crazy. But but the the temperature and and the the yeast and the rise and the many many different kinds of flours and the many different types of bakes uh bread making has got to be one of the highest level skills yeah highest if you really really go down the rabbit hole on it yeah
2: it is like recording though it is like putting together a song yeah because at the end you get that loaf it's like if i had flour water and salt in front of me it's like okay that's like a riff that's like a drum beat that's like a vocal
1: But and when you're all done sometimes it's just a loaf (laughs) 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 just as often
0: it turns out
1: it turns out bad yeah yeah
0: what's your preferred bread then
1: my preferred bread oh hmm well it depends on what you're eating you know okay yeah uh different breads like like wines go with different meals let's say a
0: peanut butter and jelly sandwich what kind of bread i'd go with italian Italian, yeah, really? Nice, I've nice never it, tried that. Yeah, nice Italian bread. Mm-hmm. Bean hmm. bar and jelly
1: is really nice on a nice soft Italian. Mm-hmm. I'll have to try that. Yeah. I'll
0: have to delve in. Back to music, though. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I knew I was going to poison this interview. Back to
0: music, though. What was the first concert you went to?
1: Talos. Oh really? at, at the uh, Gasport High School in 85. 85- Five, and there was twenty people there.
3: Ooh, and, wow! And my older
1: friend Jeff took me, and we went and saw Talis And there was probably like 20, 25 people. It was in the high school auditorium,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I think twenty. There was 25, 25 people
0: there. I think Talis just signed some recording contract. Yeah, or something. they're gonna
1: do a new record. I just read that. Yeah,
0: yeah. There was some picture of Billy Sheehan signing a contract in a S- hotel room or something. Signing a three-foot-tall boot. <laughs> that he yeah. He's always wearing those insane boots. Speaking of old people, what's the oldest age wise band you've recorded? Like, well, artist members? or band? Artists. Artists, artist, artist. I,
1: I, I, I vividly remember that. 92. Mm-hmm. Oh, 92 years old. There was this guy that showed up, it wasn't that long ago either. There was a guy who showed up here in his 50s, maybe late 50s, early 60s, mm-hmm. and uh, said, I want to book an hour or two for my dad. Thinking, wow, you're your dad, huh? <laughs> okay, and I said sure, and he said my dad's my dad wrote wrote and sang songs his whole life, and he's getting up there, and we want to record them. And I said great, and we picked a day on the calendar, and sure enough, the two of them, boom, showed up at the door, and the dad was ninety two, and he had he had a nineteen forty Martin guitar that he bought in nineteen forty and on the edge of his guitar case he had wheels so he could drag oh, it
3: oh, oh. he had
1: put wheels through the guitar case so he came in and his son immediately left and said I'll I'll be back in a couple hours I got to go run some errands so I'm with this 92 year old guy and I set him down in a chair in the in the booth and put a mic in front of him and in front of his guitar and um I said, yeah, just go ahead. And he didn't, He almost didn't understand the idea of like wait to hit record, you know? So I was constantly signaling through the glass, like, wait, don't start the song. But I don't think he knew what I meant. Um, he would tell a little story about the song. I wrote this in 1962 when my first daughter was born. And this one's called such and such, you know, lullaby. And he would sing and play the song. He knew, like, three chords, like C, G, and D. And every song was like that. Here's the cool part, though. So he came back into the control room when we were, quote, mixing, I guess, or making a CD for his son. Um, He was in the Navy in 1941 and 2, and he told me what boat he was on. And I was like, cool. So I pulled my phone out, Googled up a picture of the boat, and handed it to him, blew his mind. He hadn't seen a picture of that boat since the war. Wow. and he had no idea how or how I found that on my phone right right <laughs> so so then i as we're mixing one of the other 18 songs that he did live i I pulled up uh pictures of the crew wow and found his bunkmate and his his... Oh sergeant and other people that he knew during the war. Holy and th- I kept handing the phone to him going, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And the look on his face was unbelievable, He like he saw a ghost. Uh, I guess no one in his family ever bothered to Google what he had <laughs> done in the war, you know? Seems simple enough, but yeah. I was the first to think about it, I guess. Jeez. And uh, away he went. And that was the last i seen of him. He was 92, so... That, How long ago was that? That, that was about four years, three or four years ago. That was a cool day, though. It was interesting talking to him and uh, and showing him pictures of... I couldn't find his picture because he wasn't an officer. Only the officers had pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, he knew a bunch of the people I found, though. So I know, you know, this is a job for you mm-hmm.
2: and whatnot, but do you ever feel like... Uh, like, honored or, 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 you know, a similar feeling with the idea that someone's putting their, like, full artistic creation into your
1: hands. is yes. Like, please yes. care for this. Yeah. Like, it's amazing the similarities between what I do and what a tattoo artist does. Yeah. The similarities are amazing. Uh, you're dealing with someone's art. So I'm putting. A recording down of it, or somebody else is putting a uh, a tattoo of it. You're dealing with their art, so that's the same kind of honor. You're also dealing with appointments, <laughs> and and whether people can keep them or not. You're you know so you're dealing with that sort of clientele and schedule. Uh, but yeah, anytime anyone is hired for anything to deal with someone's art, there's definitely a level of trust there that's a little above and beyond most cleaning services oh, yeah. or, or you know someone who might uh, yeah. vacuum for you or, or uh, do something uh, as, a, as a paid service so any artistic services there's trust involved yeah. so
2: mm-hmm. after
1: all these years of
2: six days a week do you still get those moments that happen in here where like the feeling like shoots up your spine when you hear something like just just
1: right like yeah it, yeah it, you know I wish it happened more often yeah you know but uh, a few times a year, somebody wanders in, or a band wanders in, and you're like, "Oh boy, yeah, this is incredible. Yeah, this is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, you know." Um, and the shame of that is, is these days the music might be fantastic, but I know. If there's nobody in that band that has the capability or the willingness to push 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 promote oh, yeah. nothing's gonna happen with this incredible music yeah the music alone is not enough yeah it's not enough uh, no matter how great it is you'd like to think well if it's good people will find it if you build it they will come yeah. but not true uh, the the need to be as good of a promoter as you are a musician is about 50-50 these days unfortunately yeah
2: it's it must be amazing to kind of in your position you 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 kind of oversee it all and you're just like oh man i wish i could just defrag this situation like yeah like yeah. somebody's somebody over here with like no point of view maybe is getting tons of limelight sure. because they are like chirp 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 social media yep. they have the whole and then Driven. like and then just like some of the greatest
1: music you ever heard is just dying on the vine. I've recorded a few records that I know were phenomenal, and I know other than the band's girlfriends and mom, that's the only people that heard it. You know, I have some of those recordings. Yeah, uh, that
0: uh, simply no one, no one really heard, and yeah. they should have. Yeah, so. yeah. So we had we had the oldest person. What's like the youngest artist that you've recorded? The youngest? Well, I've had. I've had parents bring their kids in and, yeah. and
1: sing a song for Grandma for Christmas. Oh, yeah? At, at the age of four or five. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Other the, this, mic this, record, <laughs> this recording studio seemed a bit overkill for what they were trying to do. I, I you know, a couple parents have called me and little Johnny or Susie wants to sing uh, Jingle Bells for Grandma for Christmas and I think, I'm pretty sure you could do that on your phone if you really wanted to, you know? <laughs> So, I've had a couple of five and six year olds, you know, sing songs for grandma. So I suppose that's the youngest, uh, youngest in a band wise, yeah. like more serious. Ah, uh, you know, few, few thirteen and fourteen year olds. I want to say Mike Novak was really <laughs> young on his Guess first, yeah, on his first visit here. Yep. I remember parents picking and dropping them off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I I can't say for sure how old he was but it was it was super young those guys were young yeah yeah I don't remember the name of the band he was in but it was except that counter strike uh counter strike yeah. Yeah, a couple demos and then
2: yeah. parade of the lifeless yeah he was yeah. the original drummer before jim
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> they did a demo yeah and uh yeah so 13 yeah. or 14 as far as bands go yeah mm-hmm. I don't recall anyone younger in a band Much more, much younger than that. This is a pretty. It's pretty g. There's not
2: too many like swears and stuff around. No, actually,
1: actually, um, uh, a lot of the swears in the stickers have been removed. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's almost none. There you go. Yeah, because, yes, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's a family atmosphere here. Yes. (laughs) Very cool. Not, not not usually, but but sometimes. (laughs)
0: So, um, what's the last con- concert you've been to?
1: The very last one, uh, well, it would have been, it would have been Rush. Yeah. 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 I don't go out to many big concerts because, frankly, I think at this point my ears don't need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, they re- I mean, earplugs and all is one thing, but I still come home from a big arena concert with my head rattling, yeah. and I have to wonder the next day, how fresh I am, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just just really trying to take it easy on the ears. I mean, I'd love to go out for a lot more local shows, especially things I've recorded and produced and go to the CD release party. Seems like a natural thing that I might do. But the only thing keeping me back really is like, wow, just... Pounding my ears at the club <laughs> till about midnight. Yeah, it's just it's just unneeded. I, I mean I'm I'm getting pounded all day every day, and um I'm just conserving what I got. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> have, are you in any bands now?
1: My my indie band Makara's Pen is still still around. Um, mm-hmm. not very active at the moment. My singer had a had a, a baby, and I'm sure we're we're probably on hiatus for now. And then I have my my um metal band circus grenade which is certainly still together uh but i but every i think everyone else in the band's kind of got their more serious bands and they've been gigging with that and uh no show offers have come along that made it seem like we should rehearse for another three weeks and call my guys in from rochester to 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 play in front of four kids at the (laughs) evening star so it just didn't it just hasn't seemed quite worth it to put it in 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 uh in gear yeah that makes sense. I yeah, mean, we're, a, but it's... we're still together. We like to, you know... Yeah. Have, haven't done a show in a year, though, so... Yeah.
0: Did you practice recently?
1: No, but we recorded... We've done some recording.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Can I Gus?
3: I don't
1: know. Out of any of the bands you've been in, what's uh, probably your favorite show you've ever played? I, w- I would say... My favorite band I've ever been in I think is Circus Grenade, My my metal band when when Circus Grenade is firing on all cylinders it's magic. It's almost trance like, you know, the, mm-hmm. all the riffs become muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And there ain't many of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you can only crunch just so many ways, but but when it when it's good it's great and As far as favorite show goes, I won't I won't say anything about crowd attendance. I played some big shows with indie bands in front of lots of people, but Mm -hmm. I would say like my some of my favorite shows are when Circus Grenade was the most rehearsed, Mm -hmm. and there was just a a Friday night Broadway Joe's show that we played, and we just happened to be on point, you know, Mm -hmm. like happened to kill it. Those are my favorite, you know, uh, even though. Certainly, there was twenty-five people enjoying it, and that's about it, you know. But yeah. my favorite shows are when the band was really firing right. Yeah, your own
2: personal satisfaction yes. of, yeah. of, of putting a good yes, good thing. It out didn't there. matter
1: who was there and who saw it, you know. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. it was, um, because I've, cause I've I, some of my indie bands have played some festivals, and there was lots of people there and stuff. That overall, that doesn't always mean yeah. It doesn't yeah. doesn't mean it was a good show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Circus Grenade. Firing on all cylinders, doing well. I'd say he's probably my favorite. Now.
0: Yeah. Um. Let's uh let's talk about uh some hobbies that you have. <laughs> Got a lot of them. A lot of them. I, I uh, yeah. Tell me about like uh, the things you do for your cats.
1: Well, we uh, we 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 have a, an Instagram. Shout out, yes, to cat shout out living. Catio, catio, catio Living. Catio <laughs> Living. C-A- C-A-T-I-O <laughs> living on Instagram is our cat channel. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we built a catio, which we did some videos on, and we're approaching uh, two hundred fifty thousand views Ooh,
0: on man. our
1: on our catio videos. Um, catio living has a channel, but uh, the some of those cat videos are also on the Watchman Studios YouTube channel, um, mm-hmm. which was a mistake because all the the views went to that and not Catio living, but <laughs> anyways. So certainly, uh, we're big cat people. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, My wife and I have a horse ranch, so we have horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's horses to take care of, cats to take care of. I like to paint. Uh, I don't consider myself much of an artist, but I do enjoy oil painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an inventor. I, uh, I've been building... Um, Manure shakers
0: that I saw that on, on, on yeah, Facebook. So
1: I've been trying to invent the perfect manure shaker, which is still in R and D development. Uh, we're working on that. Um, I collect antiques and and um, uh, uh, I collect um, American GI World War One and World War Two personal photos out of mm-hmm. antique stores, and I got thousands under plastic. Mm-hmm. So. It's all started years ago where um, uh, I'd be in an uh, antique store. We're just, yeah. we're just uh, looking around uh, and I would notice these GI photos from World War II for 10 cents and 15 cents. And I started collecting them in the 90s. Yeah. And now there's just thousands and thousands under plastic, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, just mm-hmm. forgotten, forgotten photos of somebody that passed away and the family didn't really want any of their belongings and they mm-hmm. ended up in an estate sale. And I buy I buy the photos. So
0: do you only buy those like at mm-hmm. antique stores, or do you ever like buy them like on eBay or anything like that?
1: I I have mm-hmm. bought them on eBay before mm-hmm. a lot, like a, a batch of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's less satisfying because mm-hmm. um, uh, you didn't find them yourself. And I like to travel all around, like from when we take vacations from Maine all the way to Kentucky and in, in Florida and in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, Adamstown.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Adamstown.
1: Adamstown, PA, yes. and yeah, That's the antique capital. Um, I like that my photos are from all different places where when you buy a batch, you'll find that it's one person or two people mm-hmm. all doing the same pose and i only need one one picture of the guy i would i don't need 50 of the same guy (laughs) yeah Yeah. so the the batches are usually from only one person one area or one family Mm -hmm. uh so i like to find it myself
0: i guess yeah yeah that that makes sense it's definitely more satisfying that way even with music these days you know Yeah. yeah it was better finding stuff rather than like having a being kind of told what the you know this person says this or links you to this and yeah. all that stuff. It's a lot different now, which is, or, you know, I don't know. I guess it was cooler back then. It's, ma- it's magical
2: because of how easy it is, but it's le- it gives you less of a dopamine boost because how e- easy it is to find things. Yeah. So you find yourself find, wanting to find things in the retro way, you mm-hmm. know? For like, I want to find it the old way.
1: I find myself the- completely disregarding immediately anything that's popular. Yeah, because well, it couldn't possibly be good because it's so <laughs> popular. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah, like that might be distra- true though. That's a distraction. <laughs> yeah, I got to get past that and find the real thing. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, if you know, if it's on the radio and everyone's loving it, well, there's no way that I'm going to like it. So, yeah. but you know, I, you, it's easily, to, it's easy to be proved wrong on stuff like that. Sure. Every now and then, you'll know, you will finally mm. stumble across that thing on the radio and go, oh, "That's pretty cool." Yeah, I should have. I should have listened a little closer, you know. When's the last time that happened? Cold, Coldplay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Coldplay is a band that at first you're like, oh, you know, what is yeah. this? And then the more you listen, you're like, how are these guys popular? Like, this is really good. I like it. You know, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem like everyone
0: else should like it if, if I like it. I don't know how that happened. They're all caught in that in yeah. that cycle. I, I like when you
2: uh, when you hear something in a in a movie or a TV show and you're like that's a good song. What is that? Yeah. And you shazam it up and you're like, I personally said this band sucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I've I've ripped on Arctic Monkeys so bad. Yeah. But there it is. There so it is. I liked it enough to look it up.
0: <laughs> uh, Definitely happens. So it might just
2: be in context
3: then. Yeah, exactly. But...
0: Have you recorded, uh... well, you said Phoenix was the farthest place, so I guess there's no countries farther than Phoenix, except you obviously record Canadian bands, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. did the new uh, uh, Chokehold record. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Chokehold uh, record came out, which I don't have a copy of. But, uh, hint, hint on Shout out, out, out to out Chokehold. That's Chris out, Logan, let's get yeah, this in here. <laughs> from the post office, but I don't actually own one. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: there, there was an email going around a while back that we were going to send one, but I, I would like to hang it on the wall for. Or somebody to send right. me one
0: yeah
1: um so canadian yeah out of country bands uh no just a, just a canadian band i had a i had a band from mexico get a hold of me a death metal band from mexico flirting with the idea of coming up to me i'm not even sure why but yeah. they they <laughs> seemed to have in their head that they wanted to come here and had heard something i i was yeah. like wow it's a long ways and a big commitment but if you know if you want to yeah. but it it never it never transpired. So I talked to one band that
0: you know, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. You know. I've done some mastering for overseas bands. Yeah. yeah. Over the internet. And that's about as close as I've gotten.
0: Has there ever been like a band where like it like just wasn't working and you just had to like stop it or they stopped, it? I don't know, like
1: Yeah, well it's um there's a lot of bands that come here that it's not working, <laughs> <laughs> Fair but, but we, we power through it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean the outcome's good, but uh, only a couple of times I was recording a band I was fairly close to and had worked with, and I knew that their level of what they would be satisfied and the quality that they're going to want wasn't rehearsed up enough and wasn't ready and mm-hmm. I and I actually we, we got midway through the day everyone's super frustrated the material wasn't nearly uh, put together as as much as they thought mm-hmm. and I was like hey let's just call it even you know like let's book a different day don't worry about paying me for today you know mm-hmm. let's just let's let's just call it even it's only happened a couple of times. And they came back a month later, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but a lot of bands come here and it's not working. But we're gonna finish. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. But I don't know them as well. They'll send the the bass player out for Mighty Taco. Yeah. And the the
2: guitar player steps in. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Go get some Mighty Taco and (laughs) hurry up and plug that bass in.
0: Yeah. Fair (laughs) enough. Um. I think unless you guys have anything else, I think I think we've done this. I
2: I do want one for the for the for the gear nerds out okay. there. Doug, Doug and I share a love for Boss effects pedals. It's hard to think outside the Boss. There's a lot of stuff out there now, but like Boss is still the one, the tank. Mm-hmm. What is your number one favorite Boss pedal of all time?
1: RV five. RV5. RV5. RV5 RV5 Reverb has the modulate setting. Oh, yeah. And no other pedal seems to have that sound.
2: They have a few things like that in their catalog where they're just like... Everyone's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, Boss is the standard. Like, they have a distortion. They have this. They Mm -hmm. have that. But then there's these sneaky little things that they have in there, and they're not a boutique company. They're a a full production company.
1: For the gear people out there, um, I've had... Real pedal guys come in here yeah. that have a, a board full of amazing things. And I've had people even email me saying, Doug, you're a little close-minded on only boss pedals, and there's a lot of other stuff out there that's far better, but I can only say I only want to buy one adapter. Yeah, Okay. exactly. That is really the full crux of, Yeah. I I cannot deal with 20 different adapters. Yep. All the bots take the same adapter. Yep, the same uh,
2: exact shape and size. Yeah, of every pedal the the uniformity. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, mean, I don't claim that they're the the greatest done in every department. Sure. No, no, but but they're consistent, and I only have to buy one adapter. Yeah, exactly.
0: You nerds. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's the one question I have though. Um, what's the strangest thing that you've recorded, <sighs> Mister Shifty? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
1: there was this one kid who used to come in and i'm gonna say he was on the spectrum yes. okay and he would be, bring he would book a whole day big fat eight hour day he would bring a box of all kinds of stuff and he would lay out a blanket in the in the booth and take out all his things and he had um pie tins and he had uh spoons and he had paper and plastic and and he would i i I put three mics over top of them kind of like an overhead of a drum set you know and he would sit there and just make like funny sounds and rattles and and wiggle things and stuff and he was very specific um like, I would say to him, okay, how long's this next piece you're going to do? And he's like, this is 12, 12 minutes, 12 <laughs> minutes. So he would go in there and he would rattle stuff and make noises and, and he would get done and then he would come in and listen and like seven minutes into hearing when he would scratch the cardboard, he would go... No, nah, I gotta do that again that's <laughs> not no nah, that's oh, not right wow. that's, that's not right at all and I would look at him and go okay yeah. <laughs> i yeah yeah I think you could do that better <laughs> and he would go back in for another twelve minutes and he would redo it and he made CDs for his friends of that stuff Wow yeah, yeah. I think there's a name for that genre if you can help me out there's uh, it's like... Um, outsider outsider art or music. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's the circuit bender guys yep, yep. who take pieces of machinery and manipulate it and make cool sounds and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's not it's not exactly circuit bending, but it's... It's strange
2: that you find somebody in a genre like that who still wants to leave their home and come to a recording studio, a, yeah. a, a separate location and mm-hmm. do that. Because I feel like most experimental... Yes, musicians of every kind. They kind of figure out a way to do it in their in their hidey hole at home. Yes, where and they I can think just they, do it all day long. I think
1: they do. Yeah. I want to say that this kid was was quite poor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, and he saved up uh, to come here. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah, miss, and um, and he he did full length CDs too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's
2: hey man, this is where gym class hero is recorded, you know. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. do
0: I don't know if that was on his mind, but <laughs> fair, uh, enough. fair enough. Alright, cool. Thank you, Doug, for being on the podcast. Yeah, that was fun.
3: Run away! Run I'm 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 i Black love white come fly Fresh energy and don't That's my- You will never hold never uh-huh. White stars, don't go brown They are mind, run it on me. So I stand together Just a not make a die. I'm a kicker Just a wall of fear Going with the gun God's a billion! Now, fire! So there's death again! face it! you to be an American today. Don't look away! Everything memory, babe! Go away! God, you'll be Not fear Die with the God You're dead. Now feed the fire. So as you dance again, run my throat